There you have another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero, and hosted by the Heroes Media Group. This twice-deployed U.S. Army veteran is doing some incredible things for both veteran and non-veteran book authors. He has a creative and innovative approach to book publishing, and uh, I appreciate you listening to this episode today. I think you're going to enjoy what Eric Shaw of Tactical 16 has to say. Your steely-eyed killer shadow in the night You were born to fight You gotta light them up My name is John Krotek, and I want to welcome you to Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic, we're empowering, we're American. U.S. Army veteran Eric Shaw started Tactical 16 in 2012 to fill a void in the publishing and consulting industry after seeing so many veterans get terrible book deals that did not better their personal lives. Since that time, 2012, Tactical 16 has grown and now includes authors of all backgrounds, not just the military, and we think that's important. Eric has been a guest on Fox News multiple times, and the Tactical 16 team, the authors that he represents, have been featured on Yahoo, MSNBC, CNN, BBC, Sky News, Newmax, and EWTN. Tactical 16 has grown from a veterans-only and focused company to having resources to not only help veteran authors, but non-military authors as well. Eric started working with multiple NFL players and other notable celebrities this year, 2018, on various, various, on various publishing and non-publishing projects that will benefit Tactical 16's growth for years to come. Now here is a quote directly from Eric. Our goal is to build a one phone call network. So when our Tactical 16 teammates need some help, we can provide it quickly and efficiently from reputable and proven professionals, end quote. Eric's hobbies include building rifles that he never gets to shoot, and he just gives them away, and I already said once, I want one of those bad boys. He also plays softball with Toby Keith. Many of you know who he is. Buying cars that he rarely drives and nerding out to military aircraft that fly over his house day or night. Welcome to the show, Eric, for round Hey, brother. Glad to be here again. (laughs) We had a little bit of a glitch. You know, it sounded we were smoking and joking. The first 13 minutes of our original interview sounded like two aliens talking to each other. And Eric says, yeah, because we were. So let's get this one right. Anyhow, I'm so glad to have you here, Eric, because we've been trying to get you here for a year and we finally were able to pull it off. Yeah, brother, and you know, just getting those schedules right between yours and mine is is no easy feat. So anybody that follows the both of us, they they understand it. So this is this is awesome to finally be able to get on here and talk to you. Roger that. So you know, before we get to Tactical Sixteen and all the great things you're doing for those authors, let's talk a little bit about the Shaw household and how you even got to the army. So I grew up with uh, a a dad that was a cop and a grandfather that was a cop, and my mom was uh, the 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 composer, I guess, of this symphony of chaos that was you know the day to day thing in the Shaw household. Um, 
wonderful family. Still is. We we still are, are pretty close. Uh, my sister ended up joining the Air Force uh, on her own. My both my parents were Air Force veterans, so the the veteran you know joining the military was just kind of natural for me. So you went to what? Who did you idolize in high school? What bands did you listen to? Whew, boy, that's <laughs> tough. See, I grew up in the uh, probably. Well, I grew up in the city, so it was a lot of, of rap <laughs> and Metallica. So you know, you put them two things together, and, and you know, those are the days of mixed tapes. Not even we didn't have CDs yet. So um, you know, recording music off the radio with another radio that was always fun fun to do just so you can listen to it in your walkman later on you got kids right now probably listening to this that have no clue what i'm talking about thinking we're coming in chopped and jarbled again but yeah the walkman was a real thing back in the day i hear you so you know i and i know i've seen some of your stuff out there i know you are a huge steelers fan who's your favorite player yeah, that, you don't have a choice. It, I mean, if you, I wasn't actually born in Pittsburgh. My parents were in the Air Force when I was born down in Florida, but both of them were from Pittsburgh. So, uh, yeah, you don't have a have a choice. The Steelers are are who you are, and you know, if I had a boy picking one, that's a tough one. But <laughs> I, I'd probably, uh, I'd probably go with Jack Lambert. Yeah, he was a one heck of a linebacker, wasn't Maybe he? Maybe Heinz Ward. I'd, I'd probably throw Heinz Ward up there too. There you go. So two great players. You know, we we actually had uh, Rocky Blyer on the show not long ago, and you know, obviously a Vietnam veteran with four rings, Super Bowl rings, back in the day, and you know, the incredible player. Rocky is awesome, man. I actually got to meet and talk to talk with him a while back, uh, right when we were starting the whole tackle sixteen thing. I got to got to know him, and you know, since then I've got to know a, a ton of of NFL guys and, and it, that's a cool group of people, man. They're kind of misunderstood. Um, you know, I got a friend, Mark Clayton played for the Baltimore Ravens. I think I'm going to, I think we're going to get him on this show. I think you guys will have a good time talking to him, but you know, just with uh, the TBI stuff that, that they're dealing with and the TBI stuff that we're dealing with as veterans, you know, the, the makeup uh, mentalities are that we have are, are kind of the same with leadership. It, it's a natural fit. And, um, you know, looking looking forward to working more with that community as well here in the future. I know that you're always creative and innovative and some of the conversations we've had, you know, uh, out of uh, out of uh, earshot, you know, you are definitely working on some things that are going to help people. But, you know, before we get to Tactical 16, tell us a little bit about your basic training days and how you got to your permanent duty station and then what you did after that. My so. I had a, you know, my, the start of my career was an interesting ride. We, we went to Fort Jackson. We were supposed to go from Fort Jackson to Fort Benning for our basic training, but we never went to Fort Benning. We stayed at Fort Jackson. While I was there, I was told I was going to be a mechanic on Bradley's, which if anybody listening knows me well enough, they know that that would have been a short lived career because I'm not good with any wrench. So, um, you know, went from Fort relax in Jackson down to Fort Bliss to learn uh, how to be a Bradley crew member, not a mechanic, thank God. And, um, you know, I was down at Fort Bliss during the, when 9-11 kicked off. And, you know, coincidentally enough, on, on 9-11, we were learning how to shoot down airplanes. So um, just kind of a wild ride to start a military career off. But, you know, I don't. I have no regrets, and if I had to do it again tomorrow, I, I would sign back up in a heartbeat. 
So you guys were definitely trained up and ready to go. I think everybody remembers where, I mean, globally, where they were at when 911 took place. But, you know, so tell us about your first deployment. When was it, 2005, right about the time things were starting to heat up in Iraq? Yeah, 2005, uh, OIF, uh, uh, two or three, I don't even know what what it was. But, um, you know, we originally thought we were going to go over there to kind of mop things up and you know, it was the complete opposite of that. It was, it was a, a meat grinder of a deployment. Any that, anybody that was in Iraq during that 2004 to 2008 probably period knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there was never a, a dull day over there. Um, you know, but it was, uh, it was an experience and, you know, in hindsight with the way my life has gone, it definitely made me a better person once I got back home. Well, what do you think, you know, Eric, what do you think impacted you the most, good or bad, from being in that environment? Um, you know, just the – I always try to find the good in everything, man. It's really easy to find the bad. You can just log on to Facebook now and find all the bad you want. So, you, you know, I just – I always try to find the good. And, you know, just if I had to summarize – both of my deployments, it's just, you know, you just don't take anything for granted and you enjoy every second that you're on this planet and, and make each one count, you know, and, then, and that's something that I've been trying to do here since 2007 or whenever, when I started working with veterans, you know, back then and 2012 when we launched Tactical 16. Well, what do you think kept you focused over there? Uh, just wanting to come home, you know, it, it's, you, you can... Any combat veteran that's listening to this knows it's easy to get distracted. And, you know, sometimes in combat, if you might only have the luxury of taking your life hour to hour, you know, it, depending on what kind of situation you're in. And, you know, you win that first hour and it's focused on the second hour and win that one and so on and so forth down the line. You know, and in, you know, the grand scheme of things, I think all of our goals was just to come home, get on that plane and, and get back to get back to your house, you know. And everybody knew what they were fighting for. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you know, and we don't get paid to deal with the politics. The guy to the left and the right, and you know, they went over there for the same thing. And and sometimes that's that's what you had to focus on. That that's why you were over there doing it. So you got back. So that was your first deployment, I guess. Probably enough for any human being. You got back, came back to the states, and then I know you went back to Afghanistan in two thousand and twelve. Yeah, 12, 13, I think, somewhere in there. So so what was that transition like coming you know, back to the States that first time? Well, when I got back from Iraq, I, I was ETS, and my, my MOS was phasing out. Um, the unit that I was in was moving from Fort Carson down to Fort Hood. I had just bought a house. I had a newborn. My wife was trying to get her life and in, in career established and it just wasn't going to be a good time for us to move. And it just felt like the right time to kind of, you know, close the book on the active duty chapter of my life. So I joined the reserves, um, got into satellite and space operations and, and focused on that. And that took a long time, you know, to, to be efficient enough to actually know what the words meant on my resume when I would apply for jobs, you know, so that, that took a lot of, a lot of time and, you know, through, Washington DC up to Pittsburgh and back up to Colorado Springs here. That was the journey I took during that while I was just trying to get proficient in that career field and 
you know, everything everything worked out. And in 2012, I was asked to take a reserve team to Afghanistan as the NCIC. And at that point, you know, I had been fortunate enough to to find some success in the civilian world, and it just felt like the the right thing to do was to to take these young soldiers over there and do my best and provide some knowledge and and help them get the job done. So, what did you see as the difference between Iraq and Afghanistan? Um, you know, the they're they're two totally different battlefields you know there's there's nothing that works in iraq that will work in afghanistan and vice versa and it really took for me to go to both places to fully understand that because when you're armchair quarterback and stuff and you're saying well why can't they just do this in afghanistan they're doing it in iraq and it's working well it doesn't work that way they're not even in the same quadrant of life you know with with those two two places Uh, afghanistan's like in the year 200 and you know Iraq, Iraq for the most part might be in 1965. So they're a little bit closer <laughs> to where we are now. Wow! But it's um, you know it's it's just two totally different mindsets and way of, of of living. And we're sending American soldiers over there to to fight both fronts, and they're doing an amazing job. So that's awesome. You know. So what do you think? You know, looking back on it now, I know that you had mentioned uh, a very memorable moment for you while you were in Iraq about the voting what what was describe that you know that was probably the most memorable moment of both deployments because you you know when you go on these deployments you 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 hope you're making a difference and you know you hope it wasn't for nothing and to be over there when the the elections happened in 2000 late 2005 in iraq um was just something that I'll, i'll never forget and you know, for that short period, and by all means, the war was not over in 2005 or six. But for that short little period of time, it felt like we had made a difference. And, and you know, we all got to witness history. And, you know, there's very few probably veterans of any war that can say that they were, you know, at a front row seat to watching history happen. And, and, you know, we were fortunate enough, I guess, to be a part of that. That's pretty cool. That's definitely history. I know. I remember seeing the pictures on television. Everybody holding up their thumb with the ink on it. So, wow! Kudos to you and, and the people that you served with because I think that you gave those people a rare treat. Something. Yeah, that, that we, we tried. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you did. You know, but is there is there anything that you can think of? Maybe that. Do you have any regrets about any of it? I. You know. I get. I get asked that a lot, and. I, I can't, there's nothing that comes to mind. You know, I'm sure if we sat here and talked for five, six hours and had seven, eight beers, you know, I might be able to come up with something, but, um, you know, I just, I don't. And, and I would do it all over again tomorrow if need be. And that's just, that's just how I, I feel about it. It was a all in all front to back. It was a wonderful experience. And, you know, there's little speed bumps and hiccups along the way, but that's life. You know, the, the military is no different. It, it's a very, it represents life, you know, and the stuff you're going to experience in the military is no different than anything you're going to experience anywhere else, you know, so. You know, thinking about your own transition, Eric, and, you know, we've heard so much about post-traumatic stress and, you know, concussive syndrome, and you mentioned TBIs early on, and, you know, being a Bradley crewman, I'm sure that you were around things like that. Have you ever personally experienced anything 
any symptoms of any of those things? Oh, well, I was diagnosed with TBI in 2007, and my platoon on a whole hit 50-some IDs, hit or found 50-some IDs while we were over there. I mean, it, it was, and that was all, for the most part, most of them were within the first three months of us being on the ground in South Baghdad. I mean, it was just a common occurrence. And in 2005, you know, you got your bell rung and that was it. If you were still walking, talking and breathing, you, you stayed in the fight. You know, you didn't have a choice. Right. And we were just not educated at, at all as to the long-term effects of what our brains were going through. And I definitely think the military and, and even the VA got to give credit where credit's due. And, and they, they do good stuff from time to time. Um, they got a way better handle on that now than they did when, when I went through that deployment in 2005. Well, I know you're definitely doing some things now. You know, you, you describe it later on in, uh, about the NFL and the TBIs and how people, you know, some of the things that we take for granted when you're in dangerous environments like that all the time, you really don't realize the impact it can have on you. Yeah, and you're young too. You know, you're, you're young and invincible. Nothing can phase you. And, you know, now that I'm getting older – you know, I, I wish I'd have paid closer attention to that stuff. I probably could have got a handle on some of the, the memory loss issues and cognitive cognitive stuff a little sooner. Um, and I, I preach that now to these young guys. You know, definitely, if you think there's something wrong, get help because there probably is something wrong. So talk to me a little bit about that transition. You know, is there anything that you can, any kind of advice that you can give to that transitioning soldier? Uh, you know, they're, just stay focused. Have a goal. You know, the, nobody's going to give you anything. I, I, I know there's a lot of patriotic Americans out there that, that love everything that we're about and everything that we're doing. But at the end of the day, they're running their own companies and businesses, and they've got their own families to support as well. You know, no, nobody really owes us anything. So, you know, it, it's important that we get out there and do our best and put our best foot forward and and excel when we get get our jobs or it don't even matter what the job is just be good at it because that's what's going to help future veterans in the workforce you know i i get a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails as you probably do as well and it's you got to remind veterans to humble themselves a little bit take a step back and be willing to kind of go back into e1 private mode as a civilian and some do it and I think they find success and, and rightfully so. And, you know, unfortunately others don't and they make life harder for others that are trying to get some help. Well, it could definitely be a rude awakening. That's for sure. But, you know, so tactical 16, what motivated you and how did you even fall into the publishing world? What's that? I mean, tell me about it. I, uh, I started doing speeches and stuff in Pittsburgh I moved back there after I got off active duty. I was working for the University of Pittsburgh. It was like my entry-level IT job. You know, again, this was when I was a private in the civilian world. But um, started doing speeches and, and stuff for them, and, and working on some veteran initiatives to get veterans hired and get their resumes kind of front-loaded so that so that they get decent looks and, and just educating that that company on how to how to hire veterans and what to actually look for. You know, don't just hire a veteran because he says he's a veteran. What's he going to bring to your team type stuff. So, um, worked on, on that. And then, uh, through that was asked about writing a book. And I, I'm like, man, I, I, I barely passed English class. 
every single year I had to take it in high school, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be the one that, that you want to hear that story from bring crayons, I guess. And, uh, they, you know, I got offered the book deal and it was not, I didn't think it was very good. And I'm like, I'm going to put in all this work and you're going to get 95% of my profit. I, I just, that didn't sit very well with me. And, um, sat on that for a while and, and that was about the time that the seeds for tactical 16 got planted because at that time as you remember a lot of veterans were getting book deals i mean it seemed like every week another vet was coming out with a book deal and some found more success than others and you know even some of the ones that hit the new york times bestseller list the the vet didn't actually write that thing in a lot of cases so it was like what what was the point you know the, the company made a lot of money off you and you you didn't really get a whole lot out of that. So, um, so you definitely, at, yeah, you saw the need for sure then. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we looked at how we could better that industry and nobody on my team had any publishing experience, but we just jumped, jumped right in anyway. You know, at, at that point, my whole team had found some pretty decent success in the civilian world. So we could take a, sh- take a chance and take a shot to, to help some people out. And we just kind of have, you know, we're a very outside the box type of company and, and we, we eventually just decided to rebuild that, that box, so to speak, around what we do versus what the other companies are out there doing. So tell me, you know, tell me about the name Tactical 16 and then let's just say I'm a guy that wants to write a book or I have a book. Walk me through the Tactical 16 process. The name, so, I mean, we took the tactical name just based off, you know, the military side. It was something that I was comfortable with living in that world being a Bradley guy for the, all those years. And it was something I could relate to. And, and the 16, we actually took from the 16 acres at the World Trade Center and kind of threw that in there too to, to pay homage to, you know, that day and, and all the heroes we lost on that day. So that, that was kind of how we did that. We don't really advertise that that much, but that that's the – the meaning behind the 16. Roger that. So, so I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy, I want to write a book and I don't want to go the usual route. I want something innovative and creative and I want, uh, I want you guys to work with me. How does, what do I do? What do I need to do? You know, for us, I mean, the, the first, the first step is usually an email. I'll, I'll get an email out of the blue or, or somebody like you will email me and say, Hey, I got a guy and we'll, we'll do a couple email introductions, maybe some phone calls. See if it's something that's going to work for us and them because we're not a nonprofit. So, in order for us to keep the lights on, we got to pick projects that are going to make a make a little bit of money so we can do that. Obviously, um, and then you know, obviously, we want the authors to make make money and hopefully make this be their full time job. But uh, you know, if we can get get to an agreement there, we'll we'll have them submit some work to us and we'll take a look and see see how we like it. We, we have test readers around the country that'll take a look and, you know, if they're, they're saying, yeah, we definitely want to hear more, you know, then we know we're on to something. And, you know, I get about 300 submissions a year and, you know, if I get five books out of that, I'm pretty happy. I mean, that that's just kind of how it, how it works. So uh, it's really, it's really contingent, you know, book by book contingency basis, you know, after it goes through a review process, it's not like just because you have a great idea for a book means it's going to get published. No, no, we, we want to do our due diligence. And and honestly, we want to make sure that we're bringing the right people onto our team. And, and secondly, you know, I don't want to exploit 
you know, somebody's story or some uh, military unit, stuff like that. I, I don't want to ruin somebody's opportunity later down the road to do some stuff. So there's some books we'll walk away from just out of respect, even though they don't always see it that way. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, that's basically the, the short and skinny of that whole process. So what, what kind of books are you looking for exactly then? Just mainly combat or any – I mean, what kind of books? Uh, We'll take anything, you know, we do a lot of market research and analysis and the combat stuff is always is good and, and people kind of want to hear those stories. But, you know, people are into leadership. They're into, you know, uh, you know, when a, a veteran has his struggles and how they came out of that and found success, people like those kind of stories. We got kids one sci-fi, uh, you know, you you name it. If it's something that I think we're going to be a good good team on, and we can help, and and all that, we'll we'll see what we can do. You know. So, what is the legacy that you'd like to leave behind, or where would you like to see yourself in five years? Um, you know, I, I think for the legacy side, Tackle Sixteen is is transitioning constantly. Chris Schaefer, as you know, um, is probably going to be the new CEO of that company. Actually, he is the new CEO of Tackle Sixteen. So, you know, I just wanted. When I step away completely from this thing, and at some point, and I'll be ready to when I'm ready, I just want people to know that I try my best, and and hopefully if we helped one or two people, you know, through through writing, get their stories out there, and help them find a little success and build their personal brands, you know, it was all worth it. That's awesome. So let me ask you this, you know, so what does freedom mean to you, and do you think freedom in America is available to everybody? Um, I do, you know, I, I, I think when you step away from the social media and get off your phone and you get out and about and you talk to people face to face or Skype, like we're doing now, you know, so <laughs> you, you get out there and experience it and live it. You know, this is a very unique country we live in. There's room for, there's always room for improvement. It, there's no other country I'd rather be in with the people we have here that can help with that improvement. You know, we, I, I just think sometimes you just need to st- take a step back from all the the distractions and, and just appreciate what we have. Yeah, that's cool. So so what do you think freedom means? And, you know, what's it going to take for all of us to actually get some freedom? Whew. Boy, that, that's a lifelong question there, man. <laughs> <laughs> On the spot. You know, I, I don't I don't know, man. You know, freedom is an individual conquest, I guess, in what what your meaning of freedom is might be different than mine, you know, but but, but the difference is and something that I think we should strive to keep doing is the ability to keep communicating with each other, you know, get have those debates, have those conversations, you know, in, in person, face to face. You know, the Facebook isn't the place for that stuff anymore, sadly. I mean, the, the opportunity for a cool outlet was there, and it's kind of just watered down and destroyed to me at this point. But, you know, you, whatever your freedom means doesn't make you wrong. You know, it just that's what your freedom means. And I, I think we're getting to a point now where just because people don't think the way you want to think, now now they're the enemy, and that's, that's not how it should be. Couldn't agree with you more on that, you know, and, you know, and then when I think even about what we're doing here with Straight Outta Combat Radio and we have Eric Shaw here today from Tactical 16, you know, there's such a negative perception or seems to be, you know, pervasive 
that you know combat veterans you know we saw the recent tragedy tragedy in california that 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 you know the combat veterans are trigger happy and you know you can't trust them and they'll go off at a moment's notice you know we're trying to diminish that you know what do you want people to know yourself a combat veteran eric what do you want people to know about combat veterans in general I, I mean, I don't think we're any different than anybody else. We, we just picked a job. And a lot of that combat disgruntled nonsense, we, we as veterans have created. You know, we've, we've kind of fed that beast over the year because it, it, it was cool. It was funny. It looked good on T-shirts and, you know, it, it made, you know, whatever. And, and I think unbeknownst to, to that, we kind of burned ourselves at the same time. I don't think we realize that civilians who have the the capabilities of providing us jobs and careers were paying attention to that stuff. So anytime this sort of sporadic crime happens and a veteran's involved, well, now all of a sudden we're all lumped into that same boat. And, and you know, that's not fair. But, you know, like I said, it's it's something we've kind of fabricated ourselves a, a little bit and. We've we've kind of let let that whole persona out of the box, and now we're struggling to put it back in there. You know, that's a great point you just made there. You know, and I've heard similar things from you know brothers and sisters that have that have been in combat. That you know that we did nothing to not perpetuate that myth with some of the things that are out there that we do see in social media. And you mentioned T-shirts, and you know we're not here to to, to castigate anybody, but you know I don't think it does us a lot of you know, I don't think it does a lot of good when you're out there pushing violence or or some type of mantra that's really scary to some people. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100 percent. And, you know, what we've done is, you know, to an extent, we've segregated ourselves from the rest of society. And, you know, that anytime you segregate anything from anything, it's it's not good. You know, there there's there's going to be some negativity there. And, and we've, we've kind of done a good job of segregating ourselves from, from our civilian counterparts to the point where our civilian counterparts are on edge or leery about bringing us in. And, and you know, there, there's no reason for that. And that was something that I worked on for a long time from 2006 to probably the last, maybe two years ago, I kind of slowed down in the advocacy world. You know, I just felt like I was working on a treadmill and wasn't getting anywhere. But, you know, it's it's not something that I think veterans who are in a transition period looking to start a new career should embrace. You know, uh, combat's a badge of honor. I'm proud that I did it. I'm honored of any combat veteran that I've met, the guys I've served with. But, you know, the trend that I've noticed in, in the business world especially is all the all the veterans that have found success, for the most part, don't wear that combat you know, experience on their sleeve. They've, they've kind of moved on from it as best they can and got focused on that next chapter in their lives. Oh, that's good. I like the way you said that, you know, so let's just say there's a brother or sister out there that's in a bad place. They're in that dark, that dark abyss and, you know, they don't know what to do and what kind of advice, you know, give, give us some of your wisdom on what they need to know. I, I literally was just helping a guy over the last couple of days with the same thing. And, you know, the, the pattern that I've noticed so far is the guys that guys and girls that really need help are not going to get it. And then the guys that maybe don't need so much help are the ones that are clogging up the VA and, 
getting in front of the media and saying this, that, and the other, and it's just hurting all of us. Um, so I've, I've made it a focus of what we've been doing to find those guys that are out there hurting and not getting the help because they're too proud or whatever the case may be. They don't want to ask, but you know, I, I, I harp on these guys hardcore to, to work with the VA. And, and I know, uh, well, the VA sucks and they don't help and they're horrible and they got their faults like everybody else. And I got it, you know, that, but they're going to be your main pipeline to get you, get you the help that you're looking for. And it's just the way it is. You can go through some of these other nonprofits and organizations. You're probably going to get funneled right back to the VA. So just start at the VA, work with them, work, work as best you can with them. And I know it's tough at times, but the help is there and you'll get back on your feet. And that's exactly what just happened to a, a, a guy who was just trying to help Manny. He finally, he dug in his heels and went to the VA and you know, he's, he's on the right path now. So that's awesome. So how do people find out more information about tactical 16 and how can they contact you if they need to? We are all over the internet. Um, www.tactical16.com. We're, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're not far away. We're not hard to find and, and finding me has never been that hard. And Chris is also the same way. I mean, he's, he's pretty active and, and, you know, we just were, our mission may have changed a little bit with us helping more civilian authors and getting involved in some more civilian and civilian projects. But, you know, our focus is always going to be helping veterans that actually need the help. That's great. So I just want to say, you know, thanks for being on straight out of combat radio, Eric. I know that you, you guys are doing some crazy good stuff for authors that want to get their stories out there. I uh, can't say enough about, you know, the advice that you just gave people and the wisdom that you gave to those non-military uh, people, our brothers and sisters, citizens. Um, looking forward to our next conversation. If there's ever anything that we can do to help out the mission, I know that we have interviewed a few of your authors, maybe half a dozen, and we'll continue to hit them up as we move forward. But uh, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, as we close out this first uh, episode? Oh, I just appreciate you having us on, man. We're we're constantly looking to just bridge the the gap, you know, so to speak, with veterans and some civilian stuff. And you know, we're working with companies like Live Headphones, uh, run by a friend of mine that played in the NFL, um, Mark Clayton. He was a number one pick of the Ravens a, a few years back. He was a All American with Oklahoma. So if I'm learning more about the NFL side of the house and, and kind of what those guys are going through with uh, traumatic brain injuries and stuff like that. So we're going to kind of work together and, and see what we can come up with there to help everybody. That's what, what we should all be focused on right now is helping everybody. Don't just focus on one segment of our society. Let, let's see how we can put some stuff together and help as many people as we can. So, and I appreciate what you're doing, man. I think you guys are, are really pushing that message as well and it, it's fun to be a part of and, and be your friend man well thank you i appreciate that um you know and i loved him before i even had the opportunity to work with him so he, he's got a great product uh and like i said he 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 listens when i talk veteran stuff and and i'm listening when he's talking nfl stuff and the tbi thing is is a is a, is a real deal you know as a lot of us know so anything we can come up with it might be a therapeutic fix that doesn't involve a, a ton of crazy psychological meds. I, th I think it's worth looking in, into. So, 
Well, thank you for that work, definitely. And uh, looking forward to our next conversation. You have Eric Shaw of Tactical 16 Publishing, doing great things for veteran authors and, and non-veteran authors as well. We want to stress that, too, that, that they're looking for opportunities to let people tell their stories in a creative, more innovative way. Thanks, Eric, for being here today. Look forward to the next one. Hey, thanks, brother. Take care. Thank you. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us. Like us and download us. And please remember, freedom is not free, and combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken. Yeah.